over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. That's right, it's full spoiler recaps, where we're binging a new season of a show every week and chatting about it in full spoilery detail in just one podcast. I'm Jess Sterling. Today, we are discussing Netflix's docu-series, Breakpoint Season 2. And of course, I'm not alone. As always, I'm joined here by my co-host uh, and my doubles partner, Grace Leader. Grace, how are you? Oh, hi, Jess. I'm good. I'm ready to serve up another podcast. I think we're going to ace it. I think I think they'll love what we have here. Uh, we'll put our own spin on it. There's no match like this podcast. Uh, let me just check if I did all of the tennis words. <laughs> Give me fun okay. okay, I think I'm. Let's rally. Let's do it. All right. I think I'm good. You nailed it. Um, That's and not I'll, a tennis turn. You want me? To, you want to retake? Oh, that sorry. Line? I'll, I'll that. take it. I'll take it again. Why don't you just? Lo- I'll lob it back to you. <laughs> yep. I'm gonna. I'm gonna serve you some Thank good you. lines. Thanks. Good. <laughs> Uh, of course, we're not alone because, um, in case you haven't heard, I don't know sports, certainly don't know tennis, but Can't we find have a someone... single fault in this in this <clears throat> guest. <laughs> so uh, we have to have someone on who I believe, if I'm not mistaken, attended this U.S. Open that is on this series of this show. Ariel, is that correct? Yes. Wow, uh, what was your rank? What, who'd you so play? Exactly. <laughs> Number one American. Listen, when I started, I was ranked 7,000. Oh, wow. And now Oof. I'm in the top 500. I've never been happier. Beautiful. Wow. Um, I'm so excited to be here to talk about my favorite sport. And yes, Jess, I was there at the US Open. I try to go every single year. I've only missed a few. Um, it's incredible. I can't wait to talk about all the specifics and things that have happened since the show ended. And just tennis in general. To hear the two of you talking about tennis, I feel like I already won. So hey, games you and I have already me. talked about tennis. Mm, that you, no, you I know that, you. Track you that one, and I have I talked about season track. one, but now the three. <laughs> now it's like we can have. Yeah. Now we can know. play each other in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know. Now I'm a sports girly. I know yes. sports. You know, Netflix puts out a lot of good sports documentaries if you uh, if you're interested. And yes, Aaron and I covered this on the Offspeed Pod. You can find it on the Robbins Podcast Network. We did an, an episode on part one, an episode on part two. So there's both two podcasts. Part. Yeah, both parts. Maybe. Yeah, last yeah. season was ten episodes split into five episode chunks. Um, this year they went with just the six, Ariel. So yeah, to cover the whole season. Last time they yeah, yeah. I. I meant to look up if there's any news about a season three, because immediately my first thought when I heard that it was all in one chunk was, oh, no, is this just because they were like, fine, let's just dump it. And that's and then we're going to cancel it and Mm -hmm. it won't matter. I guess it'll depend on ultimately, you know, engagement with this one and how maybe the two halves performed against each other, whatever. But um at the end of the day, even though it was fewer episodes, I definitely enjoyed getting the whole story and not having to wait because I am greedy. And I I loved these episodes. I love I love my favorite part about it is like I know so much about the sport because I follow it. And then to still to learn things about them and their personalities and their characters in quotes because they are real people. Um it's just so fascinating to me. So I love, I love these and to see Netflix clearly is getting into sports with the wrestling and of it all and all that stuff. But I hope they keep doing tennis selfishly. Well, well, one of the things I think in terms of like breaking up, like the thing that 
I think didn't really make sense about the way they did it last year is that although, yeah, they play for a full year and there's obviously like, I think what's missed in this is like who wins the year, which definitely got covered in part two last year, but they're really focused on the slams. And so the fact that the last slam is the U S open, which is like in like ends early September, right. In the first half of the, the month. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to like wait six months to then do like the Wimbledon U S open. You can just sort of, you know, put it all together. The only thing, yeah, that's missing is like who won the full year, which they cover mm -hmm. in the last episode of season one. But I think this is a smart choice to just dump it all at once. And because I think the idea for these is that like, yeah, either people who are huge tennis fans like you jump in or, you know, it's like what I was joking about before we started the pod, which is like, oh, maybe I'll start watching tennis again. And then I'll like watch the Australian <laughs> Open and then, uh, you know, forget about it until whenever. So, yeah. Yeah, I just don't know. I, I did enjoy myself as someone who notoriously doesn't watch sports, doesn't consume sports, doesn't play sports, is generally outside of the sports genre of things most days. Um, I did enjoy myself. And I think I liked it because of getting to know, as, as Ariel, you were saying, like the characters or the people behind the tennis racket, right? Like getting to know who these people are, what drives them. I think that's something that most people can at least appreciate is when someone has a passion for something and all of these players to make it as far as they've gotten have to have passion for what they do. And so that was so cool to see. And just to get to, again, I I, I know almost nothing. I know the Williams sisters. Um, that is pretty much where my tennis knowledge begins and ends beyond knowing the, as Grace was joking, like love is like when it's zero, zero or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. Love just uh -huh. means zero. You got yeah. It. There was actually a, a tennis documentary about a, a famous coach who has like somewhat controversial tactics, nothing like bad, uh, but he would topic. break the legs and the name of the documentary is love means zero so oh nice ah yes um but yeah this was such an interesting watch i mean grace i don't know how much of a quick plot oh. recap we can like, necessarily give each episode was basically focused on a few different players and a few different like matchups, but the biggest, in my opinion, like the biggest one was the finale where it's like, okay, here we go. It's this person versus this person. And I love that they told us again, I'm not a sports girly. I know seeds. I know what seeds means. Mm -hmm. And I know if you have a high number seed, you're not as good as the people with the low number seed. And to get just like this underdog story was so fun. And Ariel, I want to know how much you knew about, Ben Shelton like before I mean well obviously you're a big tennis person you probably knew all about this guy before this started right well he broke through at last year's Australian Open so the first Australian Open that they show in like the first episode mm -hmm. was 2023 so the crazy thing about Ben Shelton is actually like he had never he played in the Australian Open 2023 and he had never flown outside of the U.S. before that so that was like mm -hmm. a very big trip for him in a lot of different ways Coming into the U.S. Open then months later, like he's already made a name for himself. But I would say for sure, like to a lot of Americans, they haven't seen him play certainly in person before and are kind of just hearing his name. Like there is that annoying thing, I will say, like when you go to the U.S. Open, like everyone's trying and this is true of all sports, but there's like everyone's trying to like know more than the other person because, you know, you get friendly, you talk to people, people are very like chatty and in, in a good way. And when you're watching a match. 
but like then it's like oh yeah no i know him from so and so like everybody always there's a lot of like one-upmanship which is totally annoying and i hate um but i think for sure shelton it was just a big year 2023 for him overall as far as like being a name yeah, it was just wild to me, Grace. He comes in as like a 47th seed or something like that up against some like really, really well-known established like American players. And he just takes him out with these like 146, 136 mile an hour mm. serves. That doesn't yeah. even compute in my brain as a thing that should like exist, you know? Yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, well, well, we'll work on banning them. Uh, your serve has to be at least, you know, it's, everyone serves underhands next time, Jess. Don't worry. <laughs> well, um, also, shouldn't there be a foul? Some guy got hit. No, you he got hit with the ball in the face but it bounced or the, on the stomach. But it, or something. it bounced on the ground first. You got to be ready. You got to return the seat. You stand in the wrong spot. There, right? there are right, some right? of the some of those seats have like a, a transparent glass uh, thing yeah. in front of it some of the yeah. first seats and some yeah. of the stadiums uh but yeah the ball kids like you never know like you could just yeah. get hit in the face yeah uh so i i really enjoyed the season i think that i have i have kind of two nitpicks with the season but overall i thought it was really well done i, I liked the, a lot of the themes of the episode um i love the netflix curse uh, of it all and then uh Sabalenka, like overcoming it uh i was introduced to holgaroon who i met before i really liked uh holgaroon um i liked the uh the the tiafo and sort of like uh tommy paul episode and taylor fritz um Zverev, uh, bad dude in real life, gets a really good edit, so that kind of sucks. And we get this episode five is kind of like Sabalink, obviously, is in episode one. I do feel like, yeah, more women in the show, please, I guess, uh, is my biggest, is my other big complaint. But then I think the finale, and okay, do you want to know something? Weird? So I, wa I went to watch an episode last night, and I watched it, and I got almost all the way through, and then I fell asleep. But this is a thing that happens to me sometimes when watching TV. I fell asleep. And so then in the morning, this morning, I went and put it back on. I put it back on to watch the end of the episode, and then I guess I wasn't really like paying enough attention, and I watched this whole episode. I was like, oh my god, this episode is amazing. This Coco Goff episode. And then I, was, I started playing the next episode, and it was the first episode of the, the series. First episode and I was like, of the series. <laughs> this happened to me also. I was like, what happened? And then somehow, because I fell asleep, and I turned off like in the middle of episode five, it kind of just went from like four to six for me. It was very weird. So I watched this out of order. I watched one, two, three, four, then six, then five. But episode six was really good. I thought Coco mm -hmm. Goff's uh, story was was really, really good, really strong. But um, but yeah, well, I maybe, thought this was Maybe good. this is where I'm misunderstanding how they decided to to release these episodes or how, how they decided to structure the season because I was wondering I'm like why did we not get way more Coco earlier in the season like to your point Grace not many women like only like really episode five was like centered around two women but like beyond that and a little bit of the Sabalenka like why were we not getting Coco the whole time? Because by the time she comes in at the, in the finale, I'm like a little bit invested in Sabalenka doing well because we had already met her. And I was like, oh, she's passionate. She's feisty. She wants to win. Like, yeah, go. Um, But if they had shown us Coco earlier, I feel like I would have been way more invested in her story. You know, obviously, once I heard she's like, love the Williams sisters, like they really were inspirations for me. I was like, yes, girl, get it. Okay, I'm rooting for you. So, but I, why didn't they show yeah. her more? Well, so one thing I would say is that 
the seasons and both seasons have been like this is that obviously they're done mostly chronological. And so that's to say that like, if somebody has a story, I think like in season one, this happened area where like somebody's story kind of like goes past the French open. And then in the next episode, they like go back to the front. Cause like now that it's a different person. So they go. So like there it's mostly chronological. And so when they're planning this, the, the show, and they're also trying for the most part to like have different people in each episode. I actually do think the setup of like this season as a whole being Sabalanka winning the USO or the Australian Open, sorry, and that being like her breaking the Netflix curse. Like I loved that a lot. And then you get to the end of the ep- at the end of the season where Coco Goff is kind of like the new the new thing, and it kind of works. I think in that it, you know in the way that we haven't really seen her much like, Oh my gosh, who is this? And I do feel this. It's like, I want to see more of her. Um, the intention I think of the documentary series, Jess, is to make you watch Coco Goff go play actual like tennis and not watch her on Breakpoint. So as much as she's in there, right the, now it's like, now you have this superstar you're going to follow. And I think the idea of being like, she's a breakout in the last episode. Oh my God, here she is. And she's kind of up against Sabalenka, who, yes, we do root for, but like, you know, the, the story there is like the story of the episode is like the Americans at the U.S. Open. And she's the last one. She's the highest ranking. So, OK, so now, or she's not the highest ranking female. Uh, uh, Pagula is. But now it's here. And this is the story. And you also have Sabalenka being like, I, I messed up and I'm not number one. I didn't become number one. But if I win this match now, I can be. And so you get this, I thought, like, really great storytelling of the Coco Goff against Sabalenka story. And I think especially because Sabalenka had her sort of victorious moment at the Australian Open in episode one. Now you get Coco Goff's, like, amazing story uh, at the U.S. Open aerial in episode six. And so the, like, structure of it, I think, actually, like, to sort of, like, not show us Coco before it's like, who the heck is she? And she's like, you know, now she's here and she's going to win the U.S. Open. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I think the the point about how you accidentally fell asleep between, between episodes and watched them out of order is an interesting one to me because I felt like this season was a little bit less effective at like the chronological stuff. I think season one was, and obviously with the pause between episodes, it's it's a little bit easier to keep things compartmentalized. But this season, I lost a little bit of the thread or the intention at for in like between episodes like two three and four let's say of like how they were splitting up the year and it was like oh okay they're kind of telling the story for different people at different times so you can't you have to like go back uh in time like they did with indian walls and stuff but I, the i think there's a way also in which like coco's involvement in the thing wasn't that much and the real mm. and like a big part of the reason that she's shown so much in the finals because Sabalenka was playing her um but i do think it's interesting i agree with you grace of like the the kind of full circle moment of Sabalenka getting another opportunity to do this thing that she clearly wants to do really badly she's not happy just to win the one she wants to continue to win and she wants and to be, be number, number one. one and yeah. be number one right well that's where i have a question on that then mm-hmm. though because and this is i apologize for everyone out there who's like it's so obvious i love tennis i'm sorry no. i don't understand it but tennis at is the annoying very me end tedious at the very end we see Sabalenka like holding this huge trophy and she's like mm-hmm. I am number one and I'm right. like wait a minute she lost and I was so confused as to how she was then number one 
So the way it works in tennis is there's a lot of um, there's it's basically like a super complicated point system for every different events are valued at different points. And then within those events, you can win a number of points based on how far you make it. So, like, for example, very quickly, the Grand Slams are all worth 2000 points. And then you have the, and that's if you win them. So if you win in the final, okay. you get two thousand points. And then, oh, so the, even though she didn't win against Coco, she, she, had she enough made points. it to the final, so she still got a lot of points. And then got if she continued it. to win, like let's say the end of both the men's and women's tour have what's called like the tour final. So like the mm-hmm. best people who have been playing the best the whole year compete against each other, and then there's like one winner, and that's also worth a certain amount of points. So like in the end she was, and then the way it works is like, so let's say next year she is defending those points. So if she doesn't make it as far in some of those tournaments, she falls. So that's where it gets very complicated. But by the end of the year, she was the person that had accrued the most amount of points for that calendar year. So whether, because even though she lost in that one tournament, she won enough everywhere else. Uh, to eventually get to number one at the gotcha. end. Okay. See, that makes more sense. I I was just so confused when like Coco is this big winner. She has like the whole speech. She's like kissing the trophy. She's thanking her parents. She calls mm-hmm. out her dad for crying, which was so funny. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden we have Selenka like holding this huge trophy. And I'm like, girl, you lost. Like what's happening? <laughs> yeah. that And that's the thing with some of the time jumps. I felt like it could have been clearer, but I get they're trying to keep it simple. I will just say very quickly, like to keep, because this is the kind of stuff that I love like this this is like a document in time and then things tennis continues on in real time mm-hmm. while I'm watching this I was literally like watching the series on my computer and watching tennis on my TV at the same time um Sabalenka goes on to win this past January as in last month she goes on to win the Australian Open again so she, now she has two titles um, she's so spoiling breakpoint season three on the season two <laughs> podcast I'm so worried real. that this is all we're gonna get uh, and she beat Coco Goff in the semis to get to the final. So, like, I um, love that the stories continue mm, to evolve. Redemption. And I think that's what the show does really well of, like, showing th- these people have their own stories for each other and rivalries with each other throughout the entire year. It's like a thing that never ends. It's ridiculous. Yeah, because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but obviously tennis is, is you know, it's not a team sport. It's one-on-one. Everything well, is riding on you. Mm-hmm. Unless I don't you're know. Playing doubles. I, yeah, with the exception of doubles. doubles. <laughs> unless, unless they're playing doubles. Doubles but, erasure. Yeah. So, but I can only assume that because of that, and because there's such a small pool of these elite players, it's a very small world, and everyone knows each other, right? There was the episode that focused on these two boys who were was it Rune, right? Rune and someone else. Oh, Runa, yeah, Rune and Alcaraz. Uh, yeah. There's yeah. also Sinner was in there. Like you just forget sometimes any show that the young Taylor. All all know the, each other. the young Taylor uh Fritz was so funny to me because in some ways he looked exactly the same he looks and exactly in some ways he looks like a baby. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, it's 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 complicated and there's so much history. And to your point, it is very small. They literally share locker rooms. Like in normal yeah. sports, like each team has its own locker room. You get like privacy away from the enemy. This is like you're all living together for a large percentage of the hours during the day when you're playing each other. It's yeah. crazy. Well, yeah, big, big foe, uh, as he likes to be called, uh, Grace. <laughs> 
he was even saying he's like yeah ben shelton like maybe he wants to be friends he, we can't be friends we can't be friends because they're like they have to go against each other like they can't yeah. be friends medvedev does this too uh medvedev uh i think I, <gasps> one of the no, most... is, Mev, is medvedev oh i okay i was literally... yeah but okay but now that now I, yeah, you know he hold sucks. On. Great. no no he no sucks. hold on hold on hold on hold on <laughs> now that you know about uh, uh Zare, Z Z i can't say his name sasha sasha yeah sasha yeah yeah um now that you know that sasha sucks uh don't you feel a little bit better about uh, um Mid no i don't and you want to know why I, and i was i was yeah. telling my husband about this because he didn't uh -huh. watch this and he loves it when i try to explain sports to him and so i was Amazing. like there was this guy and he was so underhanded he <laughs> couldn't win based on his own skill and so he was doing nonsense things like removing poles from the net and going to pee when he shouldn't have been it worked though. I it love that you said underhanded because he has that one moment where he does the underhand serve. Yeah, he's he's nonsense. And yeah, okay, Sasha sucks, right? Like IRL, Sasha sucks. But I was pissed because I was like, this guy can't even. He's like, I'm gonna get into my opponent's heads, Bleh. and I'm like, I hate you. Where, where's Medvedev ranked right now? He's pretty high, isn't he? He's uh, pretty... yeah, he's usually hovering in the top like three, top four. Because yeah, his tactics. Uh, I he's will say, one. no, Djokovic is number one right now. I will say about Medvedev, like from the from the beginning, quote unquote, a few years ago, like when he first like made a name for himself, he has always leaned into being the villain. Like your mileage may vary. I'm not putting a value judgment on like, should well, it be allowed or it, not? Doesn't he? He's so good at it and he really enjoys it. And I just respect like the freedom and the the authenticity with which he inhabits it because then you have somebody like Djokovic I'm sorry I have to get on my on my Djokovic box for a second you have somebody like Djokovic who is trying so hard to have it both ways he yeah. is trying to pretend that he is a hero when he is so clearly the villain and has been for like a little he's while the one now. who ended up winning right yeah the he's the one thing. who's always winning and he's like and I've heard with, that like, he's a real d-bag so he's, he's an anti-vaxxer he's, like he's problematic he, he's problematic yeah. at best um mm -hmm. but just like skill wise he is the greatest in some circles and he has won more grand slams than anybody ever period yeah. um or any man excuse me um yeah. and it's so that part's annoying but like Djokovic and other people like him like Tsitsipas like they're trying so hard to be loved and this is Djokovic is now more successful than Federer and Nadal but Federer and Nadal one of whom is retired one who yeah is Nadal is still around for a little bit more are so universally loved by like such a large percentage of fandom across the entire world. And Djokovic is like, he can't stand it. He can't stand that people don't like him as much. It's like, bro, you care too much. Like be more like Medvedev. People will love you. I promise you people will love you better. If you just like live in your truth, it's, it, it drives me crazy. So one of my favorite things from season one is there is this like way in which, um, uh, uh, Nadal, uh, Nadal gets sort of like he he doesn't take part in the documentary and he's set up as like the guy that they all have to beat. Uh, Djokovic is in the tour a bit, but obviously he missed that year's U.S. Open in season one or the Australian Open, sorry, in season one, um, and whatever. And so they really like there ends up being like a couple of people whose storylines come down to like, shoot, now I have to play Nadal and I have to like beat Nadal, and that he's like he's the like 
big bad of, of season one. I actually really love that it turned out that like Nadal can do that in season one. And basically Djokovic is kind of like that in season two, where he's like yeah. the guy that a bunch of people end up, uh, who, who is it? Uh, uh, Sasha, who is, doesn't he have to, doesn't he, when he beats, doesn't he beat Medvedev and then he has to face him or is it someone, is it Shelton? Um, ben Shelton plays. Shelton, Shelton definitely Fritz loses. And then has to play Djokovic who he loses to. Um, Fritz loses also to Djokovic, who at the US yeah. Open, who the who he then lost to last month at the Australian Open again at the quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah so um, Djokovic kind of gets to be like the big bat. And again, let's probably like yeah. he's not gonna do the interview. He'll be too it'll be too much money to like pay him whatever fees he'd want. He doesn't want he doesn't want to be a part of it. Uh like yeah. a lot of the big, you know, in the tennis one that they did, like you weren't getting Tiger Woods to sit down for your interview. Like he he will right, do his right, right. separate documentary. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I said tennis. Yeah, I meant golf. Um. So yeah, Djokovic being like the big bad in the background, I thought was 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 pretty fun. I do I do think it's very funny that both of these shows, both seasons, have started by being like, "How about Nick Kyrgios?" They're really trying to make Nick Kyrgios, <laughs> Nick Kyrgios, like <laughs> Nick Kyrgios. Last year, last year he was the bad boy of tennis. Uh, Jess uh -huh. is what you missed in season one. Nick Kyrgios, the bad boy of tennis. Yeah, mm -hmm. he similar to he's not Medvedev, but he. He gets very annoyed when things like are not good. Like, you see a lot of this in, from everybody in the show. Yeah, like, I mean, you no, see no, the ball. Check the and... ball. Like check, check it. Like you're being unfair. But yeah, no, the ref was like, or ump. I'm so sorry. I don't know yeah, what the, it is. the chair umpire. The chair umpire. Chair umpire. He's just like, I don't need to come down there. I could see it from here. And I was like, oh. I will just say, it's clay. Your your job is to like. Make sure that the players and you you to go if a player is asking you to go check the mark like go check the mark stop being lazy that that like annoyed the f out of me but whatever yeah but yeah I thought that was no it is it is really interesting to see who they're giving like the airtime to who is who is being portrayed in a certain way right like you had mentioned earlier Grace like Sasha he's given a lot of heroic content from like he broke his foot in like three places it's all about this like hero's journey of his recovery it's three and things it's he's recovering from the injury he has the charity because he lives with type 1 diabetes and he's the like person who looks calm cool and like as everybody else is like this is the medvedev's match right where uh, like, yeah pulls, pulls the thing and goes to like, the bathroom break and Zerev is like there being like like the heroes this guy just as you know he has two domestic assault allegations one of which is going to trial this year like he is not a yeah, I don't know why we gave him such a glowing edit. Yeah. But it's like the best, probably the best edit of anybody in the in the entire show. Yeah. I think probably. And then he's all say, like, uh, in the beginning, he's like, uh, "Oh, you should have had yeah. me on the whole time yeah. last season. That's who you're missing out on." Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. Okay, here's my other, I guess, criticism of this is that you know I watch a lot of TV. Shocker, right? I am used to like big characters, big energy, like. <clears throat> even on reality tv like people know they're on reality tv and they act appropriately um i was so annoyed that like there were certain people on the show I'm looking at you big foe i got my eyes on you big foe who like <laughs> mumbled so much where i was like can we please give us some subtitles wait, here like what not, is he wait, saying do you not watch your closed captioning on like all the I, time not not no not usually only for certain things for certain things i oh. do watch closed captioning but comedy is definitely not because they ruin the jokes yeah um 
but but yeah, I was like for it was it was Big Foe who needed the subtitles looking at you, bud. And there was the other guy. And I think it was I think it was Tommy Paul. Correct me if I'm wrong, who he was like, I don't really like the spotlight. Like my girlfriend likes it. She mm-hmm. handles it. So I just want to be quiet. Time. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing on the show then? Like, you're kind of <laughs> boring. And like, yes, he's a great tennis player. But like, then what is he doing here if he doesn't want to be in the limelight? Well, isn't that interesting, though? Isn't isn't there an asset to like, certainly like, if he was had yeah. a bigger, like a bigger personality, it might. No, be no, but that's, no, but that's no, but that's that is the that's the point i think in which that like tennis is not something i think you go in like you can obviously if you're really good you can make a lot of money like I, some of the things like th- the, the thing about tennis that makes it i think perfect for a documentary is that like only one person wins every tournament so you can basically set up these like these dramatic wins and losses right of like at any like sabalanka wins in episode one and yet by the end of the season she's like slamming her racket down because she doesn't win and this is the same calendar year because only one person can win and you can have yeah. all these moments where like they all go out in the tournament and it's interesting like a couple of times when like when fritz gets eliminated in round one like they did that really well in season one i thought of like you came all this way and like part of that is like you don't make nothing from being eliminated in round one but you don't make quite as much as you would if you make it even to round two you know yeah so there's this like the way that the sport is structured makes it really compelling because like there's one winner and the rest of them are losers and they all are like striving to just keep winning and even if they win they then have to go and try to win again and um but they think the thing about is like i don't think that people go into tennis because you're going to be like super super famous and so then i think that is interesting no no i know no i know what you're saying but like and then i do think it is interesting that someone like tommy paul who like doesn't want to be in the limelight you have in the same episode you have francis tiafo who's like he's like yeah like now people want to meet me and he has to go like say hi to justin bieber as his wife is like did you know that's my celebrity crush he's like celebrity crush i was like you're revealing it on camera no So I do think that's I think that's interesting for like a guy who's mm-hmm. like not super like he didn't get into tennis because he wants there's a guy who in the um in the golf documentary uh uh what is it swing full swing I think is the name of that one who's like he's like I actually don't want to be the best in the world I just want to kind of like keep doing this um and then he realizes like that's also so he's like drinking and partying and it's like he's like well that's not really where you have to be sit like it's I think some of the stuff of people who are like I'm not in it to be like you know on a bunch of billboards i think it's like super fascinating yeah i think it's that's like probably my favorite thing overall about this project them taking this on is because and i've talked about this before of like and you know i didn't do an erasure of my previous uh podcast appearances uh like the so many stories of these players that are somewhat underreported because of what you're saying, Grace, because of like the Pagulas and the Sakaris, Maria, yeah. like for example, who haven't like crossed that threshold yet of actually winning a slam, but they're always there. They're always in the mix. They're like constantly, it takes so much effort to be that consistent and be that relentless when you're not really getting a trophy and you're seeing so many other people get a trophy that like, I love the I love those stories being told in this thing and being captured because I think that at the end of the day, that's such a large percentage of the players that are in the sport. And it's not a lot. It's such a small percentage, conversely, of like the coverage of the sport. So I just think it's it's really interesting to that point. Like, I love going. I hate going to the US Open the second week. Like, 
it's that's when the more arguably the more competitive matches are. But the first week, there's so much tennis going on. There's so many stories to follow. You're jumping mm -hmm. around like that's when it feels like the most alive. Like there's so much possibility. There's so much potential for a no name rando to do something crazy or for you to witness a, a good match between two people who aren't that good and like elevate. It's just I feel like that's a microcosm of what they're capturing here over the calendar year, because like dozens and dozens of tournaments all the time, all that travel, like it's never ending. Yeah. I think my favorite thing, uh, if I, if I were there and there was, you know, someone getting an award, I think my favorite thing would be watching the face of the person who got in like second, you yeah. know, like just cause it's, I mean, it's, it's tragic, right? Like it is Sabalenko when she, when she loses to Coco and she has the like plate, I don't know what anything is. I'm they sorry. have to the sit platter. No, no. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like a, a, a like a silver platter. A plaque. Basically. Yeah. It's like literally a silver platter, but it's like, it functions as like a plaque of sorts. But she still has all eyes on her. You have to sit there. It's like, so not a lot of other sports do that. You win the Stanley cup in, in hockey and then the other team leaves. Like, you don't just, they have the handshake, but yes. And they have yeah. to, Okay, yeah, they're they're much more yeah. cool about it. I will say in hockey they do the cool thing of giving it to the players before the owners, which I yeah. support. Not cool NFL. Anyway, um but uh the other the losing player has to sit there and make a speech. Make a yeah. speech before the other person. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah it, it is exciting and I, I guess I'm curious about because obviously in watching this we're getting just clips like clips of every single match right like back and forth and, and on and on but how long is like because it's game set match right? <laughs> like how long is it realistically because I was talking to my husband and I was like this seems like the most intense and draining sport because you're just running. You're literally running all the time. You don't stop moving. It just seems exhausting. What, a couple think, hours tennis match. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it runs the gamut, obviously, based on and that's the crazy thing, like another difference between other sports that have like clocks you know the match the game whatever it is is going to be a certain amount of time at least mm -hmm. whereas with tennis it could be over in like 40 minutes if it's like a absolute slaughter or somebody retires in the middle of it or whatever the men's the one uh i think the longest men's final is five hours and 56 minutes that nadal played djokovic that i was in denver with the time team it was crazy <laughs> There's Ooh, actually like a contingent of people that want to reduce the men's best of five at Grand Slams to just best of three because of how physically intense some of those matches are. I think there was well, yeah, Grace was telling me that it's sexist because we have like women only get two out of three. That's not right. That's mm -hmm. not right. There's an Men 11 get two out of three. Wimbledon. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. The women, the women play best two out of three and the men play best of five. Um, just because just, just because it's just the rule. I mean, tennis is like a, a, an archaic sport in a lot of ways still. And a lot of the rules are kind of just there because that's just the way it's always been done. And there are parts of the rules that people, even like experts can't exactly tell you why things are the way they are. It's like one of, three random vague historical references that could explain it could explain various things um and that's just the way it always was like women played less and no one's ever like tried to to change it the crazy thing is men have to play best two two out of three for a lot of other tournaments including the masters 1000s events but then you get to a grand slam and you have to win best of five so it's like a whole other thing there's a fight also for um equal pay between the men and the, women. the men get paid more for 
winning than the women do as well. So there, there is a current fight for that. Uh, as well. well, at the grand slams, they're all paid. They're all paid equally for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, as far as prize money, prize money. Goes. Should we hand out some superlatives? Because I don't know exactly. Again, we're not, we don't usually cover like docu-series. So we're not going to have a best, oh, death. best death. Oh man. <laughs> Um, but I mean, we probably could still have like our favorite characters, maybe some favorite matchups I think would be fun. Um, favorite villain. Favorite, ooh, favorite. Oh, that one guy, Medvedev. What is <laughs> yeah. his name? Yeah, Daniel yeah, Medvedev. Yeah, and you know what? It makes me happier to know that he kind of like wants to be hated because then yeah. I feel even better about being like, I hate you. Well, he's, he's smart. He's like, yeah. it's so hard yeah. to make a name for yourself in this damn sport. I can be the villain. Sure. I'll be the villain. People will yeah. know me. It's like, well, he, yeah. and he, oh, he was the one too, where he was like, he was signing the shush, like signing <laughs> to like the audience. And I was like, the audacity of this man to shush the audience. Like, shush, be quiet. Yeah, like, what are you doing? I can't believe it. The audacity it's, of this it's man. It's incredible. It's incredible. I love watching him. But he's, he's the best villain for sure cool. for me. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Same for oh, me. God. Um, what about what about best character or like favorite person that you were rooting for the most, maybe is probably a better way to say it. Ariel, and Ariel was spoiled on the whole outcome, so yeah, I was spoiled on a lot. I would say uh probably probably Maria Sakari. Like, I just think she's I really didn't know, like I knew she struggled with the mental part of her game. But the fact that she was having like literal panic attacks was like a was a really really new thing for me to 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 hear and like clearly like you know for them to get into and be also open about, um, like your body literally like no I don't want to go out there and have a panic attack that's insane um and I'm so glad that she broke her like mini curse in her head to like win you know another I believe it was in Mexico she won a tournament there so like that you know a trophy for her that was a huge deal. But I was rooting for her. I mean, and Pagula, but just Sakari, like, I know from experience from watching her just like time and time again, like, damn, she got so close. But that's, that's all you get. So she's definitely mine. Mm -hmm. Just think I know yours, but you want to. I really, I really like Sabalenka. Like, I, oh. <clears throat> I mean, I, all the women I was honestly pretty much rooting for. Um, but and I, Coco, I think it, for me, it was like Sabalenka up until we met Coco. Yeah. And I was like, so immediately taken with her that Sabalenka I has I one of my favorite lines in the whole thing where she's talking about, she goes, you know, they say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. She goes, I think I'm a very strong woman. Yeah, I'm very strong. <laughs> yeah. Very and I think the yeah. reason I, I loved her so much was because as someone who like can be very passionate and sometimes that means you have a temper and like you get overly invested in things as someone who like struggles to hide how I'm feeling on my face very often I can appreciate someone who like has all of those emotions and will let them spill out everywhere and just like is messy is a little messy because you could tell it means everything to her and I think the other thing that really endeared me to her was the story about her father and like the passing mm -hmm. of her father yeah. and how she wanted to make him proud and like she wanted her name, which was his name on that trophy. Like, I just felt like that was such an endearing story. And 
again, like maybe someone, you know, maybe she'd be portrayed as a villain in, a, in, a, in another season or something. But like knowing what drives a person and why they're so passionate about the thing that they want to succeed at, it just really endeared me to her. So up until like the final episode, I would have said Saba, Sabalenka, but uh, Coco really, I mean, she's a star. She's so, she's 19. She's a star. Yeah, those two for me were my favorites, but I think um, the other two I really liked. I did like, I feel like I'm a sucker for like the underdog, the newbie. So I really liked Ben Shelton, but I really liked Holgaruna. I feel like Holger, I don't know what it is about Holgaruna, but I really liked uh, him. He 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 plays mm -hmm. Djokovic too. No, does he? Or does he lose to Alcaraz who then goes? He loses. Uh... Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember exactly, but no. he's. Yeah, he loses to someone. <laughs> yeah, Holger Rune is somebody I would like to. I, I would like th that's someone who like the the thing for me about when I'm like trying to then like watch when the Australian up is like I'm looking. I'm more interested to be like okay, then who am I gonna like? Who am I watching? Follow Holger certain Rune. people. Yeah, yeah, Rune is somebody I would like. The one I was a little disappointed. I know this is only six episodes. You're gonna do so much, but um, and I, I know he hasn't been super. I don't think he had a great 2023, but um, uh, Felix uh, Ojeali Asim had maybe one of the most interesting stories in season one which is where Rafael Nadal's father begins coaching uncle, yeah, then, yeah. or uncle and then during the game is like I'm not going to coach I'm going to sit like in the neutral box it's yeah. fascinating when he plays um, Nadal, yeah yeah so I don't I don't know that there was like you know I'm a big believer like Rob Sesnito says this a lot about Survivor like if they didn't show it it wasn't interesting or like maybe they just right. didn't follow you know if somebody doesn't have a story they don't have a you know, don't have this like, you know, what's the most compelling? You have to like look at all the stuff that they film, who they can right. interview, etc. Uh, but it's disappointing. No, no, so then there's a whole episode that's like two ways they're like Americans, and I'm like, well, that's fine, but as a Canadian, I was like, you know, I'm like yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I did fine. like the I did like the American winning in Montreal. That felt like something. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, and to the to the Holga Rune point, like I just I want him to be winning. There's something about <sighs> Somewhere between his personality and his uh, kind of temperament. I don't like that his mom's like everything that he does is correct. Like I much preferred Tommy Paul's mom who is like. I thought that was so fat when he's like. Been okay. Stuff. He fired his own coach or something. Okay. Right? Hold yeah. on. He was like, I support you. And there's Can an you interesting this update, to me though? But yes. Go yeah. Ahead. Because he fires him. And I was trying to look this up. But then he's coaching him in the he's like oh maybe i haven't lost him but then i look and he's now coaching somebody completely different that coach. he literally the hilarious thing is i'm watching this episode and the news had just broken the week before this was like a couple weeks ago that he Serena had Williams he has coach. now broken yeah. up with his the coach that he hired five months ago after this guy who he no longer works with and it's just like you have to like the coaching, especially in tennis, I think is like extra particular because you do have to find like a certain kind of chemistry on like a one-to-one -one level that isn't true. And like when a coach is a coaching an entire team. And I think there is an element of like, you have to find the right fit. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But like, I think you can tell from this, that there is an aspect of like immaturity on his part where he kind of just has to commit and I think he's a little bit too empowered, especially for his age, to be making like all of the decisions. I'm not saying he should have power taken away from him. I just feel like he he needs he needs to be guided a little bit more. And like the he hires so so Patrick Moratoglu, who used to coach Serena Williams, to your point, 
is this guy that is with him and then he gets rid of him and then he's like, no, I need you back because you were really good for me and I acted too impulsively and he does come back for a little bit of time. Then he hires Boris Becker, who was like a really good player back in the day. And this is this is the guy who literally in February was like, yeah, I'm walking away from this. I can't, I have other things to do, but like, is it just because Brunei like uh, once again, wasn't like, doing enough or i don't mean to here, put all here, the blame on him here's the but... best part about boris Be being hired is the wikipedia page is like holger rune commented that boris becker's fraud fraudulent bankruptcy and uk jail sentence should not make a difference in their collaboration and rune was quoted saying i didn't think about it despite the fact that becker was currently unable to travel to the uk as a result of his criminal conviction yeah oh my God. but becker told him to stop playing with a hat and jewelry so not that yeah. <laughs> why would you play with a hat and jewelry on? i don't like the, i don't styles. like all the chains that that Zverev wears i just feel like it's, it gets very heavy um, okay so so he far but that he comes back just for a bit but now he's uh he's with simona hallett but she that he was working oh, with hallett. he was working with rune when simona hallett got got a doping ban so. yeah i got the doping ban that's like a whole other thing that she's like been appealing forever and ever and ever and i feel like she's been wronged in a way but what are you gonna do well um okay so yeah i i mean yeah and then i yeah i really like ben sheldon i thought ben sheldon was really was was fun and i i like that the thing that cracked me up most about him is like <laughs> we'd see him win like against someone and the next time we'd see him he'd be riding a stationary bike as people congratulate him they and always, i'm like yeah. does this man not stop <laughs> well that's pretty con uh, they all go have like pretty much in season one it happens a lot where there's like there's a lot of scenes filmed like post-match on the stationary bike there's like a um, lot of warm-up the, and then yeah. a lot of cool down all the okay time. Is there, i mean you think five hours of running would be enough the best, no. <laughs> my favorite scene in the whole documentary is tiafo on the bike after he wins so he's gonna face shelton shelton in there and Coco's in there and Coco's making fun of how famous Tiafo is. <laughs> Shelton is being like, I didn't I tell you I always, like we were gonna play at the US Open and he's like, yeah, I don't want to I don't talk to my enemies like this whole scene and then Coco being like, so like you tag me on Instagram right when you post Instagram like it's so good this is so funny. She is so funny. I wrote that in my notes because it's a hysterical moment and as we already said she's not in it a lot but like because they're filming Tiafo like she's in it and just the way it's the way she says oh my god big foe like big so foe. facetiously so it was funny. comedy gold it like honestly honestly it does wonders for her brand not that like she needs any help but just as far as like building out her personality more it just it was perfect it was like the perfect mm -hmm. moment my favorite scene smart. it's so good the three of them just like hilarious. she's nagging tiafo uh uh sheldon is like so excited he's gonna face tiafo tiafo mm -hmm. is like clearly like you're a fool that you would want to face me and i but i don't i also don't mm -hmm. want you to like get in my head but she's making me laugh so like this all needs to stop it's like very, it was really good i really liked it a lot so that was yeah. a really good scene yeah. it was really good um and then oh, our superlative uh is anybody have a superlative oh the top show of that will most make me think i'm gonna watch so much tennis and then i'll because <laughs> i'll be like i'll watch that and they're like it's on at 4 30 in the morning you're like i'll watch it later that's right. not how live sports work <laughs> honestly nice. i was in up until i heard that the matches were like a couple of hours because i was like maybe this is the sport for me where it's only like 30 minutes to an hour and i don't have to dedicate that much okay. time to it but i don't Can think I that's say, cool. I I do think I think like I think that there actually are so you know the you're talking about like the timing of it like baseball obviously has these like things and I've introduced a pitch clock but there's also this like you know it could be timeless energy 
to baseball. It could go on forever in the same way that like, you know, you're talking about tennis, unlike basketball, soccer, whatever. Um, I think they have some similarities. I really like, I often like watch a baseball game while I'm doing something else as well. Mm-hmm. And I think tennis mm-hmm. can kind of be, because they'll like show that like you can sort of have it on, you're watching it and then like, you, you know, whatever. And then, and then they'll like show the replay of the thing. Like it is, it is like a sport you, I think you can have on more yes. than like but hockey. then the minute something crazy happens you're like oh my god what was that and then i know and then you're there for it live though yeah. yeah yeah i just it is the it is an interesting sport i i like it because it, it feels very different than most other sports in that like it is very individualized there's not a team it's a person you know they don't they have cute outfits because they don't have to wear uniforms they get to wear cute like you know they get sponsored and they get to wear like these little cute nike outfits and everything that's great love that and i also think that the nice thing is like you can you're rooting for a single person right so like if like coco love coco right if it turned out tomorrow she comes out and she like sucks in real life for whatever reason then you're like okay never mind whereas if you're rooting for a team (laughs) you're like rooting for like all of them whether or not all of them are d-bags or not you know and so like i think that's the interesting thing about tennis i think where they lose me a little bit is that like it is just such an investment in time when like you know like any sport it's an investment in time and energy that i'm like god i'm so invested in so many other things though but i can root for coco from afar girl i'm rooting for you because i liked you i liked what you said in your speech i like that you thank your parents you called it your dad for crying and oh that's in 4k caught him in 4k it's a great line and i i love the other thing too where it's so interesting to me that like as soon as coco hit that ball it was like she knew she had won. It's like very instantaneous where they know they win instantly and she just like fell to the ground. Like she couldn't even bear to carry her own weight at that point because of the relief of like, I did it. Yeah. It was so great. It was so yeah. great. Lots of falling. Oh. Lots of falling in love with the tennis. Um, yeah. Ariel, stop it. Stop it. Grace took all <laughs> the ones at the beginning. I Ariel like, just yeah. winked at me. No one saw it, but I did. <laughs> Oh um, yeah, as I go down my my tennis terms list, the puns are much worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um there wasn't a theme song uh to, to this. Okay, there? there was not, but okay. I will say the graphic of like breakpoint and it's like comes the tennis ball or racket comes up and then it goes down and then the ball goes up and it comes down and the ball and the O and the point is now a tennis ball is very good. It's very, very good. It doesn't need to rank high on this tier list just at all, but it is very good. I really love it. I'm glad you called it out because I thought I was going to sound like a freak. I, I just appreciate the like very deep, uh, like, I don't even know what to call it. There's like a music hit that happens when it changes color yeah. The thing that Grace is talking about is just like, yeah. mm-hmm. like maybe yeah. do we put it in in the fine category? Because we have unskippable, pretty good, memorable. Oh, he fine. is fine. Whoever's yeah. hitting that ball, yeah. There you go. Medvedev yeah. got fine. <laughs> shh, shh, be quiet, Grace. Can I? Oh, can I, I actually? I do have a question. I can't for him. Ugh. So, what is the so discretion to? I think that they did this in season one. I'm just forgetting, mm-hmm. but like, what can the umpire do to like d- discipline bad behavior in a game? Or does it all happen? Like, is he up there to basically be like, yeah, I know he's taking time, but he'll get fined for that later. But like, Oh, this is a great question. Set? Yeah. There, uh, un- there are a couple of layers to it. Ultimately, it is up to the individual umpire's discretion. There are had and f- hard and fast rules about, 
a lot of things. Unfortunately, there are not hard and fast rules for every single thing, which again is just crazy, but like it takes so like taking much out the pole on time. the net. Like, yeah, something <laughs> that like seems that. Seems like it's like, breaking a rule. Yeah, that should be, but the, I feel like there's no real rule for that. If like in that instance, the escalation would be uh again this is a discretion like if the umpire chooses they can just give you a warning but in a lot of cases they will give you what is called like a soft warning where they're like listen if you continue you're gonna which the umpire did not do and that's arena williams final i'm just saying he was he was the he was the uh the wrong party in that situation but whatever uh this guy could have been like okay if you continue to do this he was trying to get his attention when he was shushing people he's like daniel then like, you can hear him off camera trying to like keep control because ultimately that's his job is to like keep control of the match and keep like decorum and the the way it works is so the escalation would be there would be a soft warning then there would be of a, a real warning an official warning and at that point if you get called out on one more thing regardless of what it is like racket abuse is technically a thing if the minute like Djokovic hit that racket you're gonna get racket I think it's called racketeering <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a whole Batman subplot about it in one of the movies um oh, the, like at, once you're on the level of warning anything you do that is deemed bad even if it's not the same kind of thing that got you the warning is gonna automatically incur a point loss a point loss so like oh. if it's love love it'll be 15 love like against you if you do something then if it happens again you will lose an entire game like it continues wow. to which a game would be like 15 30 40 game so like there there are situations they're rare where they're going to give you a warning and then it rarely ever gets past the point. It really ever gets to the point where they're docking you one of the points. But at that point where you're losing a point, usually like the behavior changes or okay. the person is disqualified or whatever. This is really fun. Can we now try, I know like, you know, to try to keep them around it, but Jess, can we explain to you game set match? Can we explain this to you? <gasps> yes, please. Okay. I don't, All right. I don't, I All right, I'm going to start, and then Ariel, you you just like, I'll do one thing, and then you do. So okay. I'm going to start big, actually. I'm going to start. Mm -hmm. The match is the whole thing. The match is the, it's everything, that right, Ariel? Yeah? Yes, the, yes. Match, the match is so the you, event. So like so the game actually, in football. No, wait, hold on. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. So the match, you win the match. So it's the, at the end, it's like game, set, match, and it's for the the match, for the whole match. thing. So that's okay. the match. Arrow, okay. you go. You say something. Yes. There. Oh, sorry. I was waiting. For no, no, that's okay. <laughs> Keep going. No, yes. Was, and to that point, I think this, I think this is important. Yeah. To that point, like whenever a player wins just a game, which is the okay, like there, I know. there's see, a, it's like see, okay, no, but I just want to call out like at the end of the match, you're saying game set match because throughout the match, you've been saying game so and so, game and first set yes. so and so. Okay. So like okay, I will just ask you very quickly off the side. Have you ever watched volleyball? Like, are you a volleyball person? The way no. like those sets are built? Okay, whatever. So basically, there are to win a match, you have to win a certain number of sets. And in men, okay. this is the what we're talking about in men's versus women's. Like in men's, it's best I of know, five. I'm worried that I went backwards instead of it's best instead of three. Of forwards, no, no, no. So it's fine. Okay. You did fine. We got it. We got it. In women's, it's best of three. So okay. you have you what you're trying to do is build tennis is all about building. And this is what makes it different from other sports. Is like at any point in a match, no matter how far you've fallen behind, you kind of always have a chance to then rebuild a new set and continue to accrue them because you're going to have equal chance. Like you'll go to the third set or the fifth set, you know, depending on what the situation is. So you're, you're, what you want to do is win the amount of sets that are going to win you the match, right? That's like the, 
highest level piece of and it. And that's what, what right, makes three out of five or, or two, or out, two three, out of right? three. What builds those sets is what is called in tennis games. Now, when you're serving, that is a service game. So like anytime that you are, you're either serving or returning at any point, right? Yeah, those it doesn't go points. back and forth in a single game. Yes, it goes back and forth uh, in a game set. To game. Like, with, yeah, within right. a game, you keep serving until you either lose that game or yeah. win the game. Okay, so this is different than table tennis. Uh, possibly. Well, I don't really know. Ping pong, yeah. I think you go back and forth as to who serves, but you're saying like this is this particular yes, like, game. I will serve. I will serve until you win or, my or serve, I win. or I'm gonna win the game. I'm gonna win that game, and then I will. Yeah, that's have what the break is. Yeah. And the... this is this is where it this is where it gets very dangerous with a guy like Ben Shelton, who's like yes. such good at serving because he's he spitting balls at you at 136 miles yes. an hour. And then he because of that, he is winning his service games so easily. So yeah. those yes. games go fast when games are more competitive. That's when you have the games are scored. This is where it, this is now yeah, this, like this is the scoring level of the game. It's like 15, like 30, 45 or something, isn't it? Yes, it's 15, 30, 40, and then game. So at once Wait, you get 15, to, 30, 40, and then yes, game? yes, yeah. it's inconsistent. And this is one of those things I will tell this is what I was talking about before. It's there actually isn't like really love consensus. 15, 30, 40. <laughs> There's no consensus as to why those particular numbers. Yeah. There's like a yeah. pre, there's a predominant like two or three theories about like the distance between the courts and like whatever. But like basically royalty kind of like made up the sport and put in like stupid rules and everyone's just been doing it ever since. Mm -hmm. So it's 15, 30, 40 and then game. But the problem is with within each game let's say you're up as the server you win the first four points in a row if you're ben shelton right so now right. you're up 40 love and you only have to win one more point to win that game however if the person if the other person starts to win points against you all of a sudden it's 40 15 40 30 40 40 like you can always keep stacking until the game is over so that's what makes it like that's this is what takes up the most time sometimes in these really competitive matches where you're playing the same game for 10, 15 minutes, even longer at a time because right. you're getting to 40, 40, which they call deuce. And then you have to win by two. So you win one and then they win one and then you this win is, one and they win one. And you get this is known as advantage. Just so yes, like, this is what no, yeah, I knew is. this. And can I tell you how I actually yeah. know this part is because when yeah. I played Mario tennis, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, Mario tennis teaching you things. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, that. yeah, so within a set, you're you, and so how many do you, how many games do you need to win in a set? Okay, if, so if you win a set by winning six Let's games. Whoa. Now, because everything in tennis, you have to win by two. By two. Yeah. If it gets to the point where it's six five, you continue to play. Like if it was oh five gosh. all, and then you get six five, you're going to continue to play. And it, you, it, at that point, you're either going to win seven five, and the set is over. Or it's going to be six all, and then you're going to go into a tie break for the set, and then yeah. it's literally whoever wins the tie break wins the entire set. So there's is, one of those like the stakes with, are so crazy high. There's yeah. one of those with Francis Tiafoe, and I think Shelton. I think they play a tiebreaker. Yeah, I believe. yeah. I they. I remember it coming up on the and screen so saying tiebreak. Yeah. The tiebreak is the first to win a number uh, of sets, right? You, you win seven. Yeah, you have seven. To win yeah, seven. all the rules are so. Oh my crazy. god! See, and I thought that other sports were complicated, but like, oh my, my gosh! Oh so, my! So word. we went backwards. We sort of did the big thing, but yeah. So now basically, you play a game. 
it's yeah like love yes 15, you win your your it's your service game you're trying to win it and you're trying to like break you're trying to avoid the tie break basically but it happens it can happen a lot especially in like the men's game because the serving is so powerful and it's like it's hard to break the other person's serve but ideally you win one of the other person's service games you break their serve and then as long as you hold your serve you're gonna win six four usually statistically so like you wanna yeah. that's like one of the easier ways to win you kind of want to avoid the like high tension tiebreak so, situation yeah. where people have like a 50 50 shot across the board to win. yeah so basically you know you play a game the first to win six games wins a set and you're trying to win in men's three out of five sets or in women's two two, three, out, two out of three sets yeah. and if you so that's why on the last so if you're about to win because you're about to win your last game to win the set that you need to win the whole match, that's why it's game, set, match. Yeah, yeah gotcha. This yeah. is so wild. And the serving thing is still gets me. I looked up because I was curious what mm -hmm. the fastest recorded yeah. serves were because I still 130. Um, yeah. He's not even the fastest. Sam Groth with 147 miles per hour. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Groth. I remember Groth. He's like, retired. That would hurt. That would hurt so bad. Like I don't even care. There was you, come on. There was hurt. an there was a famous. You can look at the video. There's a famous Andy Roddick serve that they think they turned into like a Gatorade commercial or a Nike commercial where he's serving on clay. Okay. And he serves so hard that the ball just gets stuck in the clay. Like it doesn't <gasps> even like it just. And who's clay? Did he have to have surgery? <laughs> oh no! Oh my God! You know this is old because it's not an HD. I'm watching him serve. Um, yeah, I, I think just as like a you know a point is that I I do think the show and all of these Netflix shows. So there's the Formula One. There is uh, obviously this. There is Full Swing, which is the golf one. The golf They're doing one, yeah. Sunderland until I die. Uh, Disney has Welcome to Wrexham. Uh, I think or that might, the, I the Sunderland is is similarly about a football club. It's about one singular football club. It's about okay. Sunderland. Yeah, the football yeah. Uh, club. So they're doing all of these ones. They did like a Gladiator. Like they have like this this whole like sports segment. There's a clearly a thing. Obviously, they did the Last Dance as well. So these right. are a thing for them. These ones that are like the tennis, golf. Um, uh, uh formula one ones are i think you know interesting mostly designed to 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 get you i think either for like people who will watch it it's like okay we have a built-in audience because people who watch tennis will watch it like you ariel and then i think the secondary market which is like probably 1a 1b is like can we get people to then be invested in these people who will then watch the thing and i think that mm -hmm. the show probably is better for people like you than it, like you ariel than it is for like the one bees, but I do think it's good enough that it like it, it probably is working to get like someone like me who's like yeah oh, yeah I'm I want to watch more tennis now you know and so I, but I do think like if you are not really like in the sport world like I think we have three levels here there's like Ariel me and then you Jess is like the you know knowing the the least I feel like I don't know that it does you a great service that if you are the service, if you were then to go try and watch tennis, like you, like, I don't know. Right, if no, that, but I, but don't, I, also, I don't know that it was intending to do that anyway. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, I don't, I don't know, know that this, this is this, especially I'm watching season two, you know, that's on me. If I don't understand what's going on, you know, it's fine that's on me. It's on me. I, I personally, this is, this is the aspect of sports that I like. I understand why people like it because people are so passionate about what they do. And I think that you could probably listen to almost anybody talk about anything if they're passionate about it. And so getting to see these players like so passionately trying, like 
night and day to be the absolute best that they can at a sport is very interesting. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have the necessarily um, like negative connotations of like football and head injuries. And like, I mean, I don't know, you're going to get tennis elbow. Like, I don't know exactly what the injuries are for tennis. Well, they, they did but... just do one called the quarterback. So they also have a football one. <laughs> I will say oh but, that's yes. right yeah wow. so they they're doing every they have everything like they're oh yeah I just, like, i'm not gonna watch those no, the I crazy know. thing is like <laughs> uh, like when non-tennis players get tennis elbow i'm just like damn yeah i'm fortunate crazy. How embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but so i'm saying like at least i mean the the nice thing about this is like you're rooting for a single person that is like working on their own towards obviously with a coach and blah 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 but like there, there aren't as many worrisome things like head injuries. And with basketball, yeah. I know this is like a hot take, but like the sneakers on the squeaky floor, I just oh. can't. There's no way I could watch basketball because of the squeaking. Um, and so like... Sorry, I was trying to do the squeaking. <laughs> know um but yeah it's it's interesting and i did enjoy watching it because again like i said like i found myself rooting for certain people and like uh i don't know there's just something so wonderful about seeing someone like coco have a speech where she says thank you to the williams sisters for like making this easier for me to then yeah. get into and enjoy and i i loved that aspect of it yeah yeah but i think it's good i think it's well made yeah. It was it was good. I liked it. Ariel, so I because the two of you have seen season 1, would mm -hmm. you say season 1 was better than than season 2? Uh I I think season 2 was a more um like a effective like crystallization of everything like in a smaller package. What I enjoyed from season 1 that I missed a little bit and this is kind of to a point that Grace made some of the like chronological stories that were separated into like first half of the year and second half of the year. And like how that, how like it just felt like the year was longer because we were literally waiting in real time. And I think that made it feel like bigger. And that's like a little bit of what I was missing with this one. But um, I think they, I think they struck a good balance in season two. I don't know. I like it all. I'm, I'm biased. Like anything about tennis. I'm like, Oh my God, I have to watch that. You know, it's funny though. I think it's actually more effective for them to be able to release as much as possible now. So if you were to get into it, although it's kind of a bad time, although this came out on January 10th. So before the Australian open. So if you watch it immediately and then when you could watch the Australian open, yes. um, as opposed to when we're watching it like a month later. But um, I do think like there is a, that feels like the closer you are to the events that are happening. So like Coco, like, her win is not that long ago. So now if you want to, it feels like you can kind of like, you're closer to getting in on the like Coco, yeah. like following mm -hmm. her, I think as opposed to like, I find it really hard when it's like, like I, you, I joke, but you, we can spoil season three of Breakpoint now by like looking at who won the Australian open, last, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, just Big time this, spoilers. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, but um, I think, you know, I think that there's more of, there's more episodes in season one. And so I think some of season one, I think was done really effectively. And then other stuff, like they do a whole thing about doubles because Kyrgios loses his singles uh, match and he ends up like teaming with another Australian to then go on to win the doubles at the Australian Open in 2022, which is really cool. Um, So there's like some stuff that they did that they're, that you like, you just have to luck out with like the stories you get. And I think because we're shorter season, I think that like each episode I thought was really good. Um, but I don't like uh, some of them. I don't know. You know, you can only get what you get. So in some mm -hmm. ways, like I really did like some of the stories in season one and some of the people, but like, it's not like you can just do it again. Like I, I joked about Felix Oje Aliassim, but like 
he maybe doesn't have an interesting story in 2023, so he doesn't get featured, you know? So like, yeah, or maybe he doesn't want to do it. Like, I don't know if they signed up like up front for like a certain number of seasons or if they get like the option to like quit when they want. Like, very true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But for being a sports thing, I enjoyed it. And that's saying a lot as someone who like doesn't watch pretty much any sports uh and tennis especially was so foreign to me so i will say like they did a good enough job where i was entertained it ca- and i think for me six episodes i was like dang great like that's pretty perfect <laughs> pretty perfect for me you know so like 40 minutes Jess. loved it yeah. uh and uh, again think, like yeah. every episode focusing on a different pairing or like you know different characters different people kind of kept it fresh and exciting because it wasn't like one story through the whole thing we're kind of jumping around a little bit you know no, I thought this was. I thought we rallied around. We made some good points. Like we really smashed it, and you know, put our <laughs> unique spin on it. So, you know, I think, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no outs here. I think we did. We did it. <laughs> no one is at fault. No one's at fault. That's right. There you yeah. go. Um. So let's talk about what's next. Uh. Big, big show coming big. out next. Big, big, huge. Good. Not a lot of people think so. I know. I'm <laughs> kidding. So nervous. Next week, we're going to be covering the live action Avatar uh, <gasps> show on it's Netflix. It's coming out already? I'm not already. ready for this. I'm and so I, nervous. I'm very nervous because, I don't know, there's been some like things about comparing it to like Game of Thrones, which is like, that's not at all what this is. My and, favorite is is every uh, every week they were like, we, there would be an interview with the creator. And they'd be like, we decided to do this thing. And then someone retweeting it being like, oh, they don't understand the show. So as someone who's <laughs> yeah. never watched the show, I'm very intrigued. Well, I will just set things up that Grace. So Grace hasn't seen any of the like original Avatar, the Airbender, uh, the last Airbender. Sorry. I saw it back in 2020. And then over the past two weeks, I binged Korra, which is like the sequel. Um, So I am fully there. I've seen it all. You're I'm the very avatar. nervous. I'm the av- uh, listen, I, we're going to have to, Ariel, because you're our honored guest here today. I do want to ask you, is there a specific bender that you think you would be? Oh, God. Like from I, Futurama? I want. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yes, a robot AI joke. Um, I don't know. I feel like in my, it, I, I, there are moments where I feel like I might be a firebender when my fury just like mm-hmm. gets to a certain point. Um, but I'm a water sign and I, I feel like I get so much uh, peace and relaxation from water in general that I'm probably, mm-hmm. I'm probably a waterbender. This is an excellent, uh, excellent answer. I'm definitely a firebender. Um, no question. As soon as I saw the firebenders, the first time I watched Avatar, I was like, that's me. I want that one. I want to burn things to the ground. Yes. Uh, but Grace, we'll have to wait and see until next week to find out which bender you are because- you don't know, and you might still not know if the, if it's that bad. Some some people would say gender. <laughs> Stop, Stop it! it! Stop it, Grace! Stop it! Fire, water, <sighs> gender. <laughs> gender. <laughs> Uh, so that's next week it's gonna be out on netflix Uh, make sure you check it out we will be joined by a very special guest again so that's exciting um and uh and yeah if you want to see everything we're up to pushrecaps.com slash subscribe thank you so much ariel for coming on to chat with us what else do you have going on this was such an honor i'm so glad that i 
get to put my tennis knowledge to good use because the rest of the year I'm just screaming in private at my TV. Um, I am, oh gosh, what am I covering? I'm covering Six Feet Under with Dr. Amanda. That's been super fun. We're like halfway through season two, a uh, show that I love almost as much as tennis. Um, also covering Masters of the Air with DM Philly. That's, we're also on the second half of the season on that one. I think we have like four-ish left. And I don't know. That's it for now. I am on Twitter at that other Ariel. Yeah, that's me. Grace, what about you? Uh, True Detective, the season finale aired. So Dr. Man and I got together to chat about the finale. Jesse and I will be chatting uh, in a deep dive. So check that out. Um, yeah, there'll be movie coverage with Ariel and I. And uh, yeah, I'm on social media at Hi from Grace. The plugs are interesting uh, based on the recent news of PS. <laughs> What's next? Yeah, I was What's just next? thinking about movies because yeah. usually when I'm doing these oh. plugs, I'm doing the movies. So I didn't even mention. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, you can find me at the Joe Sterling. As always, I'll always be on Shit 90 Shows Taught Me covering yeah. Buffy and Felicity, uh, which has been a ton of fun. Lost my first audio for a podcast in four uh, years of podcasting. So that was a wow. sad and tragic day. But we shall prevail. Um, uh, so go check me out there and then like Grace said I'm still covering True Detective here gonna cover the finale and uh, yeah that's about everything so until next week you've been fully spoiled you've been fully spoiled